So last uh, Sunday, uh, my mother came down for Mass. Um, my mom lives in Floral Park. So she came down for the uh, 1115 Mass at uh, St. Mary's. And then afterwards we went out uh, for a slice of pizza. I know what you're thinking. Your mother drove all the way from Floral Park and her stinking slice of pizza. Cheap, ungrateful son. Um, she wanted a slice. She said she wanted a slice. That's, at any rate, uh, we're uh, in, the, in the pizzeria and uh, these three little kids come in. Well, pretty little. I think they were, uh, I'm thinking about 10 years old. And uh, three boys, uh, obviously friends. And uh, they sit down, uh, they get their slice or two, and they, they sit down and um, yeah, they just start eating. Not saying a word, but I get it. You know, they were kind of just sort of stuffing their faces with pizza. Uh, but then uh, they finished, they finished eating. And this is, this is kind of what I noticed. They, uh, they still remain quiet. Like when they were eating, I got it. Um, but now they were done. Um, there was almost, almost no conversation, very little conversation between these three kids. Uh, my mother and I were making more noise, you know, than these three 10-year-old boys. Um, you know why they were so quiet? Cell phone. Yeah, they each had a, they each had a phone in their hand. And they would just, uh, yeah, they were on their, they were on their phones. Um, and they stayed a while. It wasn't like, you know, they finished the pizza, they looked at their phone, they made a text, you know, a text and got up and went. Like, they stayed for another 20 minutes, uh, pretty much saying nothing to each other. Well, I mean, here's a, here's a fact, I guess sort of an obvious one, right? Um, before we had smartphones, there just would have been way more conversation between those three kids and that pizzeria. Like, without question, right? I mean, even if, even if last Sunday, the three of them didn't bring their phones with them, there would have been a lot more conversation between these three kids. And there was almost nothing. Um, and when I, was, when I was their age, if I was out with my friends, and we were having a slice of pizza, you couldn't have shut us up. We just would have been talking over each other, interrupting each other. We probably would have been annoying the people sitting across from us. There would have been so much engagement. I don't know, there was just something about that silence. Their silence, these three kids, their lack of engagement. That I just thought was a little unsettling. Kind of sad. Kind of you know, kind of troubling to me. Um, and you know what? I don't want to be the guy that rants about technology. Um, technology's terrible. And look at what it's doing to the world. Yeah, I mean, technology, technology is, obviously, it's, it's good and bad. Hey, that, that same, those same smartphones literally can save a life. So, you know, the person who kind of says, like, everything today is messed up and everything yesterday was great. Um, yesterday was better than today. I mean, I think it's a temptation to do that, isn't it? As you get older, you kind of compare your generation to the present one or the generation you grew up in to, to today. And 
we're usually critical of it. Um, hey, I think there's, there's a case, times to be critical of it, and there's times to look at it and say, hey, today is better than yesterday in some aspects. You know, I was uh, walking my dog uh, a couple of months ago uh, down at Ignatius, and uh, I'm out, and a car drives by. I think I like a little uh, minivan. And I'm noticing it's kind of going slow. It's just passing it's early. It's like 7, 15 in the morning, maybe. And it's kind of going slow. And then I realized he was slowing down and starting up and slowing down. And as he, when he got to where I was, I realized what he was doing. He was uh, throwing newspapers out, uh, you know, delivering newspapers from his car. And I was thinking about, uh, as soon as I saw that, I thought about when I was a kid. Um, kids used to deliver papers, remember? You know, you'd have a paper route. Uh, on your bike, very often before school. It's kind of hard to believe, isn't it? Um, I never had it, um, but my friends did. I had a joke, I had a, one, once a week, the Gateway was the newspaper in Floral Park. It was on a Wednesday afternoon, so I'd sell, I'd, I delivered the Gateway once a week. But friends of mine, it was every day before school. Saturday and Sunday, on their bike. Like, I don't know, I'm thinking like, man, I, the things that, that that taught my friends, or taught you if you were one of them who delivered papers at 15 years old, say. Like, I mean, absolutely taught you something about responsibility, right? Discipline, having to get up when you don't want to get up, having to go out when it's freezing and raining. Engaging people, dealing with customers, dealing with adults, saving money, being able to spend money. That was a great thing. You kind of wonder, like, why did that stop? I, mean, I don't even know why. Maybe, I don't know why. Maybe just adults took it over. I don't know. I don't know what the, why that kind of disappeared. But, hey, and I'm not saying all 15-year-olds should be working before school in the morning, I, you know. But I am saying this, discipline, hard work, having to do things that you just don't want to do, like that's really important. I think that's really important. I mean, don't, don't we all? And again, I'm not saying the only way to do it is being a paper boy or a paper girl. But there should be something. Like we should always be kind of in relationship, I think, with discipline and sacrifice. We should always have some connection to, God, there's something I need to do. I don't want to do it, but I've got to do it. Like, we take those um, opportunities away. I don't think that's a good thing. I don't think that makes for strong people or successful people or even happy people. Yeah, I think in a way, uh, you know, isn't that kind of what Lent is about? Lent is about a million important things. But I think one way of looking at Lent, it's like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta create experiences which won't be easy 
which will require discipline and willpower and that will just be tough. Like, I think the church is asking us in Lent to say, each of us, I, to create some occasion for the next six weeks where we're, we kind of enter into particular sacrifice or discomfort. Because I think when we do that, I mean, I know when we do this, like, we win, we're successful, we come out better. I think Lent, in a strange way, is kind of like a gift. So let's go back, let's go back to those three kids in the, in the pizza place. I suspect that they're sort of addicted to their smartphone. Don't you? I mean, we may not, may not want to admit that. Like the notion of saying that, I think my kid may be addicted to something. I mean, that's kind of frightening. But I don't know. Like those kids not talking to each other for a half hour when their parents aren't around, like they're kind of on their own and being kind of like closed in relationally on God knows what. It's like... I don't know, like, hey, there's one way to find out if maybe they are a little addicted. Restrict it. Restrict the use of technology. I'm not saying abolish it. I'm saying restrict it. Let's see what you get. See what the reaction is. Hey, if somebody's addicted to painkillers and you take away their supply of painkillers, you're going to know it. You're going to realize, you know, this person's got a problem. Hey, forget kids. Stop picking on those three kids. Let's look at ourselves. You know, when I go out to dinner, I'm with a friend or friends, people I want to be with, people I enjoy hanging with, and my phone is on the table in the restaurant and it's facing up so I can see it, and then it pings, or it vibrates, or it lights up. I have to look at it. Don't, some of you, don't most of us, I kinda have to look at the thing. I'm like, I'm not that important. I'm not expecting a, a serious call, an important call. But you know what happens then? I stop listening to my friend. I take my focus away from him or her, and now I'm checking out whatever it was that was texted. I mean, how, isn't it rude? I think we know it's rude when it's done to us, but we don't really do much about it because we do it to others. So I'm like, I'm a bit of a hypocrite if I start complaining about this guy looking at it, reading his text while I'm in the middle of a, of a conversation. You know what I think that's implied in that? It's like, I'm talking to you, I'm with you, I'm listening to you, but right now, there might be something more interesting or someone more important. So I'm gonna put you on hold. <laughs> and we don't say that, 
but we kind of do it. And I think most of us kind of get, you know, mildly irritated because you realize, and, and, and somebody will go, well, no, I, I, can, I can do both. No, you can't. Unless you got like two brains in your head, you can't read a text, process that, and, and be just as focused on what the person you're with is saying. Like we put somebody on hold, probably somebody who shouldn't be put on hold. But because I'm addicted to the possibility that somebody else out there more important might be than the one I'm with, I can't not look at that phone. And there's all kinds of studies that talk about this. Like it's not even like, even a, like much of a debate anymore. The impact, it's kind of a famous one. It was these two, two groups of people. And they both go out, they both go to like a Starbucks or a diner or someplace. And they're with their friends. So it's a completely social gathering. But as a, one group of them, uh, their phones are in their pockets and their phones are off. And the other group, they're allowed to keep their phones on the table. And they just kind of study the conversation. And they ask people questions afterwards. What was your experience like? And it's like not rocket science. It's pretty, it's pretty obvious what happens. The ones who had the, t the phone on the table, they were way more distracted, way less focused, way less present to the other person. And the other person kind of felt it. So the effect of it is both parties say, yeah, it wasn't, didn't really, it wasn't, the conversation wasn't as enjoyable as the other groups who said, yeah, like I had a good time and I, I totally remember what he or she was telling me because I was pretty fully engaged because I wasn't distracted because I wasn't handcuffed by technology. You know, let's now move the experiment from Starbucks maybe to a more important place like our kitchen table. And it's like, yeah, we're just, we're not connecting the way we should. We're not, we're just not talking to each other as much as we should. They're just kind of somewhere else. Physically present, but not really there. In the course of, a, of a 40 minutes at a kitchen table, there were five text interruptions that took somebody in some way away. It's like, I mean, how can that be, how can that be good? How can that be good for family life? How can that be good for a, a marriage? I mean, I just know it with myself. You know, if I'm driving north, say I'm on uh, Long Beach Road, and I'm in uh, Oceanside, or maybe Rockville Center, and then I realize I forgot my phone at home, and I don't really have time to go back, and I'm also now gonna be on the road for four or five hours, I start to have like a panic attack. I'm like, oh my God, what am I gonna do without my phone for the next four hours? It's like, man, I'm kind of addicted to this thing. Why do I have to be so connected all the time? And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, led Jesus into the desert. I mean, just hear that again one more time. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert. God sent Jesus into the desert. Jesus didn't 
get lost in the desert. He didn't, you know, his car didn't break down and he got stuck in the desert. He didn't take a wrong turn and end up in the desert. The desert wasn't a mistake. God wanted Jesus to spend time in the desert, which is a place of, you know, deprivation, a place of sacrifice, a place of temptation. So if it was good for Jesus, I suspect it's even more good for us because we have a tough, tougher time resisting temptation. We probably need the desert even more, certainly, than Jesus did. But if God wanted him there, then I think that means we should be there. So let's just go back to this technology thing. Like, is there some, something regarding the phone, the computer, or even TV? that we need to kind of deprive ourselves of. Like cold turkey? No. I mean, who's going to get rid of their cell phone? Of course not. But like, I don't know, maybe I need to get a little more control over this because it's sort of taken control of me. And you know what's suffering as a result? Relationships and conversation, friendships those three in the pizza place. I think they're suffering. Their notion of friendship, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm really speculating a lot here, but there was less friendship talk going on. There was none. There was almost none. That's not better. That's not an improvement. And we're in Lent. So I think what we're being asked to do is sort of go to the desert or create a desert. We're not going to go to a desert. I mean, we're not going to go to Arizona. We're not being told to go to Nevada. It's like create like a desert experience in our lives. So like what's something or some things that I am just way too attached to, maybe addicted to, and it would serve me well if I stepped away. Create a desert for the next 40 days. Take up residence.